this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Good morning, and welcome to New Books Network, NBN African American Studies category. Today we have with us first-time author Kathy Wilson-Florence, and her novel is Jaybird's Song. Welcome, Kathy. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Angela. Thank you for coming. So tell us a little bit about Jaybird's Song. I mean, I, I love the cover. It's bright yellow, and there's a bird on the wire. Yes. And I designed that myself, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, the book is a, I would call it a coming of age story taught, uh, set in Atlanta. And it tells the story of a girl named Josie Flint. She's a, um, a young girl. The, the story is told in two parts. One, when she's in her pre-teen and teenage years in 1960s Atlanta. And then also 35 years later, um, also in Atlanta, she has a very strong grandmother figure in her life. And at 35 years, the, the, the uh, second part of the story is, is told simultaneously and the chapters go back and forth. But the second part of the story is told when her grandmother dies, who was a very important part of her life. Okay, so we have strong female characters. My first question to you is why go back and forth? What does that do to the story? Well, when I first started writing this book, I only had the 1960s chapter and the early story, or Josie's early story. But as I got to know her better, I became interested in how she might, as an adult, how she might be thinking of some of the things that she went through and experienced as a preteen and teenager. And I got more curious about what she'd be like as a woman. And so um, about two years before I published, which I which I published um, in February of this year, I started adding chapters um, interspersed that would be her story 35 years later. And um, it gave me a lot of neat opportunities for plot reveals uh, and kind of really challenged me to keep the storyline follow uh, to follow the storyline. And, um, you know, I like a challenge and it was you know it, it was my first it's it's my first novel but it was um it, it just gave me a lot to to work with and I thought it was um you know gave me a lot of challenge and a lot of fun and it and it opened up something that I was really curious about and that was what Josie was like as an adult oh awesome because usually our adulthood comes from what we learn as a child now I was reading through the book mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I was on page 44 1965 <laughs> And I was struck by just a few words, and it was the Bible, the rogue, and the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, uh, tell us yeah. a little, yeah, tell us a little about that. Well, Josie's story is, um, I'd say, primarily about her family, the, her family, and um, the relationships with her friends, and some some very important um, and a, a very important important part of the book where her father passes away. But behind all that, it is 1960s Atlanta. And I mean, the scene that you're describing, Josie and 
her friend Laura Liz were in Laura Liz's attic looking for something that they could um, use for a social studies project. And they found a Ku Klux Klan robe. And inside the Bible, they found a um, membership card for somebody that was in Laura Liz's family, a, 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 a great grandfather or something. And um, that scared them and they ran out of the um, attic and, and um, you know, it's it that 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 and other scenes similar to that, just the unrest in Atlanta at that time are a backdrop to the story. Yeah, this is um, it's, it says like the South is almost like a character in itself. Right. So you are from Georgia um, and, I it's, am. and it's 1965. And most, most of the time when we think about historical 1965 is not historical yet. It is right. And so. How did I, I'm interested to know what grabbed you and to think about someone who discovers that they have relations to the Ku Klux Klan? Um, again, I just felt like it was, um, you know, it, <laughs> an untold story. First of all, Josie is the protagonist. Josie is a little older than I am. So, um, so perhaps my personal memories were not direct at, you know, in 1965, like hers were. So it was all, it's all a work of fiction, but it was, um, you know, something I, I dreamed up and I certainly believe could be true that someone could find such, such a thing in 1965. And again, 1965, there were a lot of things that happened in the, in the sixties that were, um, important to the world. And a lot of those are also covered in this book, including the moon landing and, um, um, Martin Luther King's assassination, Robert Kennedy's assassination, yeah. uh, things like that are all touched on. Not, you know, not in a, I wouldn't necessarily say in a historical fiction kind of way, okay? but definitely those are things that happened during the time that this um, fictional character was growing up and they're all mentioned in the book and um, in some cases relate to the story um, more specifically. Exactly. That's what makes the, the story so great because although it's fiction, it reads so real. You know, it has that realism piece to it, whereas someone could find this in an attic and it would turn their whole life around as an adult to discover that this was part of your family history. Right. Because that's kind of a life thing when we do ancestors. That's what I um, so much enjoyed about the book that although, like you said, you made it all up, it's though these characters spoke to you, you know, and they had a story, a song to sing, should we say? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, what's so important about strong female characters, Um, Grandma and Josie? What does that do for today's woman? What do these characters do for today's woman? Well, I'm just very interested in in stories with strong female characters. And I had a uh, and I had a lot have a lot of strong female characters in my life, including a grandmother that has passed away. And and I have to admit a lot of the um, character of Annie Jo. Who is the grandmother? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was patterned a lot by my own grandmother, who was right. just strong and creative and interesting and fun to be, be around. And and uh, the maypole that the rest of our family sent uh, spun around, and, and that's just what um, Annie Jo is to this story. Likewise, the story of um, Josie's mother, Beverly, who is also a very strong character. But my thinking, but my um, my story with her is that Josie was so enamored with her grandmother and so enamored with her father 
as a young girl that um, I think readers will suggest, uh, will, will notice that um, Josie probably didn't give her mother a lot of credit or time or thought until she was much older. And I think that's also a true theme in for a lot of women is that they, you don't truly, truly appreciate your mother until you're an adult yourself. And um, that's, um, in my mind, what happened with Josie in this book. And, um, and it was a bit intentional from my part, but it was also just kind of the way the story unfolded as, as I told it. Right. That It makes perfect sense. It's a nice mother-daughter um, kind of um, working because you have children. I would presume you have daughters. I know I have two grown daughters. And um, I think about the same thing. And, I, and my mother is still alive, right? So in all of that cycle with women, right, we don't come to appreciate the mother, just as you said, until we become mothers, until we walk in their footsteps. Do you think exactly? We, do you think we don't have? I mean, this is 2017. Do you think that in the novel world we don't have enough powerful female protagonists? Could we ever have enough? Uh, um, I'm not going to say we don't have enough because there's so many books out there I've never had the chance to read. But certainly, I see that in um, movies a lot, you know, or at least um, I was always annoyed as a young mother of the. Um, a lot of Disney characters, the women are the meanies. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't like that. Okay. Um, it's not always true, clearly. But um, yeah. I didn't want, I wanted, um, you know, I wanted to create a, a, a character where, um, a, a family where, you know, there was a very solid family. And, and Josie had a great mother and a great father. But as uh, you read the story, you'll learn that maybe the mom kind of wins out in some ways um, because, there's some um, the plot twist that that um, you know really sets her apart as as showing her strength. Also, how did you find working with the very tough sexual scenes? The sexual scenes are, are you know, in my in my mind, a little bit benign in terms of my terms of my writing because I touched right. on it. I said I said it, but I don't. It's certainly not a lot of graphicness to no, it, but it what what you are referring to and what is true in this story is that there's a theme of things that happen to young women and young men in that age of the in that at that time of their life. And I would imagine that anyone, you and I, and all readers could relate to whether it's a weird hug after a babysitting job or something, whatever it is, you can relate to that. And there's a couple of incidences in this story, uh, one with someone Josie's age, one that was um, certainly not a, you know, what, what could have been a violent, wasn't violent, but it was a molestation. And then also a second, a third scene that happened to her daughter that she found out about that um, all in all cases, they were um, things that, You'd want, if, if you, as a parent, you'd want to know that happened to your son or daughter. And in all cases, Josie or her daughter, in, in, the, in the case of the third um, incident, didn't tell anyone. And I think that's really my message is why do, you know, and, and maybe that has changed a bit over the years because there's so much more discussion of it. But when I was younger, um, there's a, just a feeling of guilt or I don't know whether I deserve that or I don't know whether I'm at fault here. I'm, I don't know whether I'm going to get somebody in trouble. Any of those things were, are, I think, are very, very valid thoughts that young children, young adults could have when something happens to them in terms of um, a, a um, 
just a, a, a front or or a true molestation that um, is wrong. And you and as a as a mother, I was always feared that I always was was fearful that my children something could happen to my children. Like a few things happened to me, and I never told my parents. And I wonder to this day why I couldn't. And I think it's just as I was saying, it's there's a um, just a feeling of I'm not sure that I if I deserve that. I'm not sure if I if I. I'm at fault here. What did I do wrong? Or, you know, do I, am I going to get somebody in trouble? And I, that's just a, uh, just something that really bothers me. And I think that's, that, that came out in this book a bit. Yeah. And, and what's amazing is you say it's 1965, this happens. You're not sure if it still happens today. And that's the ironic thing about it. It does, you know, these things as girls. Absolutely. Yeah, it's still, and that's what's so great about this story. It's timeless. These things still do happen. They, I mean, we may be a little bit more outspoken, the young girls, but there's still so many, right? So many I, stories. I think probably girls have been trained better than, you know, you might have been 40, 50 years ago to know what to look for and to and how to respond. But I'm not sure it's, it still changes how they uh, that, that they can do it as easily as, it, as they should be able to do it, exactly. that, that they, sh- they can exactly. tell someone or to um, realize that they are not at fault here and that they do need to report this. Exactly, exactly. It makes sense. I love this Jaybird song, The Coming to Age of Josie, who discovers the family secret. And once you f- discover a family secret, your whole world shatters, right? Everything you once knew changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. You deal with the hard things, Ku Klux Klan. Um, you deal with that kind of sexual molestation that we face as teenagers, especially young girls, as teenagers. And they struggle with, right, because we're always embarrassed of doing things. You give us the strong women, right, that every that every family needs, right? I can say, I always say, I probably shouldn't say it anymore, but I keep saying that women are their dominant species. So, um mm. Uh, I try not to say it, but now I've just said it again publicly. <laughs> so, um, but uh, but it is. I'm, I'm pretty sure our viewers will agree with me. Our listeners will say, "Yeah, she's right. They are." Um, and you do a lot of that in this book, which is great. I have this one question because um, Jaybird's song deals with the South, and normally when we think of the South, well, I mean, when I think of the South. Um, I, and I think of um, and I think of historical things. You know, I do think of Jim Crow. I do think of civil rights. Um, I do think of Ku Klux Klan. How does your book, specifically in that sense, speak to um, African American studies category? So, oh, I'm not sure that it truly does, Angela, but. Um but serving as a backdrop to a good story is, um, you know, is, 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 was really my intent. And, um, in terms of, in terms of, um, you know, shedding any light on the subject, yeah. I'm not sure that it does, but definitely, um, it was there. It was true. It was, yeah. um, uncomfortable, um, per, you know, perhaps remains that way, but certainly a different kind of uncomfortable at that time. And I think that's what, my story, Josie's story is about is that um, those things, again, this book was written in first person. So um, the point of view was strictly her. And when she sees these things at 12 or 13, the perspective is only from her. 
And um, I think that the readers will see that she has a sense of uncomfortableness. She's not, she knows she sees things and she knows they're not right. Um, but perhaps too naive or too young or too immature to necessarily act on them. But just, just as you get to know the character, I think you, you realize where she, where her, um, where her uncomfortableness starts, starts and ends. Yeah. And again, it's, it's a backdrop. Um, and it's not, the themes are not necessarily at the front of her story, right. but I think readers will sense where she feels there, there's an uncomfortableness or a wrongness. Um, and then there are several, you know, there's actual, actual, some actual, some actual scenes that are historic in terms of um, the race riots that happened in Summer yeah. Hill, I believe it's Summer Hill, mm-hmm. and um, and some other and some other specific um, the things, and then some of it's fictionalized completely. Nice. Exactly. So it fits, although it feels like it doesn't fit. It has that way that it could. Um, that it fits. I always, because sometimes I teach literature and sometimes I'm always looking at a different angle of something that's unexpected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and your, and Jaybird's song does that in a sense, you know, it grabs the historical 1965. It captures, um, in different spaces, um, the angst that we feel of 1965. And that's one thing is race, but yet this is so much family and so personal, right? Which is sometimes yes. what we want, what we really deal with is that gender studies. So, um, is there and I any- think the other thing, oh, sorry. No, no, I was, was going to say, the other like thing about that, Angela, is, well, the other thing that I think that readers are responding to are a lot of the things that were popular in the 60s that, yes. um, that they had forgotten about. And that would not necessarily relate to any things we've talked about so far, but just things that I happen to have really strong memories of, whether it's yeah. Petticoat Junction or Dippity Doo or it just, just silly things like that, but but the readers are really responding to it because there's a lot of things that, that they're telling me I would have never, ever remembered those crazy pink curlers or whatever it is um, had I not read your book. And it brought back yeah. such great memories of that time. I agree. We all love nostalgia. Dippity do. I, I remember Dippity do. Exactly. I <laughs> and, and the pink curlers, we put the little papers on them. Yeah. <laughs> See? Yeah, exactly. So we love nostalgia. We love nostalgia. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, before we say goodbye to each other? Well, I enjoyed having, having you having me. I appreciate that very much. Um, uh, I, well, you had asked me in our um, email conversation about what inspired me, and I will tell you that that's one of my favorite scenes in the book was um, there was a, there's a true story about my mother um, when I was probably 12, and I was riding in the back seat of her car with my friend, and we had dropped off my sister at um, dance lessons and she was driving. Um, I heard a big crash at back and something had fallen off the back of our car. It was the muffler or the tailpipe. I don't know. And I jumped up, saw it fall, screamed to my mother, mom, something just fell off the car. And she kept on driving, turned her head back and looked at the at what had fallen off. And she said, Oh yes, well, we don't need that part. And she kept on going. And it was such a moment for me to have a, to understand <laughs> just all that a mom juggles and you, you do what you can and then you have to let go of what you can't do. And that, that story always resonated with me and I'll never forget it. And that was my very first, I, I fictionalized that scene and that was the very first chapter I ever wrote in this book and it appears early in it. But um, I think that's really kind of the start of why I, 
uh, wanted to include strong women in this in this story. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's they, um, there's an author who says everything that's fiction comes from the comes from autobiographical life. So what's the difference? I always I love that uh, quote. And when you say that, it's like it's it is all fiction, but you have that one little piece that comes from life that makes it inspired. We have Kathy Wilson Florence, author of Jaybird's Song, a novel about coming to age in the South in the 1960s. Thank you, Kathy, and have a great day. Likewise, Angela. Thank you so much for having me.